Hello and welcome to this week's episode. We have Michelle Shapiro, who is an integrative functional registered dietitian from New York City with eight plus years of experience serving over a thousand clients to reverse their anxiety, heal long-lasting gut issues, and approach weight loss lovingly and in a body-neutral way. Michelle, in her work, aims to bridge the gap for clients between functional nutrition and body positivity. She works with clients one-on-one in her private practice virtually. You know, it's interesting. As someone who has Crohn's, who knows the link between anxiousness, nervousness, stress, and how our gut reacts, and that there's some science behind the food that we put in our body that impacts that, really got me excited to talk to Michelle. And I'm so excited to share this episode with y'all in this season four. That's right, season four. Thanks for tuning in every week for episodes with unbelievable guests coming your way. Go subscribe, go follow along, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, and on Instagram. As usual, let's get right into it. Welcome to this week's episode of Dude Therapist. We have dietitian Michelle Shapiro here. As you know, I love talking to dietitians because my wife's a dietitian. I'm a little biased to their career as being awesome as I am mental health because I'm a therapist. But I also think that there's a beauty to looking at the combination of mind, body, and soul. And uh, my wife and I have a joke. Um, that one day when we open private practices together, which is probably never going to happen, but if we do it, we're going to have mind, me, body, which is her, and then we'll have soul cycle in in another part (laughs) of the building, right? And we'll call it mind, body, and soul. You heard it here, copyright, TM, whatever I have to say, which makes it not official at all. But Michelle Shapiro is a dietitian. Can you introduce yourself a little bit to listeners before we get into the conversation? Yes. And Ellie, you got to carve out a little corner of the soul cycle section for me. I'm coming in and I'm, I'm taking class. You're the instructor. Exactly. You're the instructor. <laughs> I mean, I can't do that, but I'll learn for the, for the team, obviously. Um, I'm so happy to be here, Ellie. Um, I am an integrative registered dietitian in New York City, born and raised New Yorker. Um, I primarily work with clients on three different um, conditions, which is the reversal of anxiety symptoms the holistic healing of gut health, and then also uh, a loving approach to weight loss if people want to lose weight in a body-neutral way. And, and you know, the, the funny thing is, is that when I started, you know, getting into your account and looking at who you are, you know, someone referred and said, hey, you got to look out Michelle Shapiro. Um, I have Crohn's and, and I love uh-huh. that combination. We'll get into that a little bit in the interview uh, about that gut health is so centered around you know, I think the combo of, of mental health and food as well. Right. Absolutely. And I know for myself, um, having anxiety or struggling with anxiety, depending on the day uh, and situation, when my anxiety is at a low, I'm good with my stuff. When my anxiety ramps up, we got things coming out of different parts of my bodies that is not fun. <laughs> um, and because of my gut, and uh, it's only funny how only recently, the past like 10, 15 years, we're like, oh, by the way, they're connected. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so we'll talk about everything in that. But before we get started on that, what was your journey into being a dietitian? Why did you want to go that direction? Or maybe what kind of shoved you that direction? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is super intricately related, of course, to why I became a dietitian. As so many of our stories are, like you just said, 
you experience anxiety, of course, it's something that you support people with. We, we really treat what we are and have experienced. And that's a really beautiful thing about being healers and practitioners. So I grew up in Queens, New York, which was a really diverse, incredible place. In fact, my high school was the most diverse high school in the entire world, I believe. Um, and that meant celebration of, you know, every different type of person, body size, race, uh, sexual orientation, creed, and, and basically any way you can imagine. And I was class con in my high school. There were 5,000 students in my high school. I had, you know, great grades, a great, you know, circle of friends and really, you know, occupying a larger body. Like I had my childhood and teenhood really didn't impact me at all. It didn't really take away much from my life, but I was going to the University of Delaware for college and I realized, oh, wait a second, this is a very homogenous situation. These people might actually care that I'm occupying a larger body. So I went on a pretty radical, and I would never recommend this to anyone, but I went on a really fast weight loss journey in which I, trigger warning, lost you know close to 100 pounds in, in under three months Whoa. before I went away to school. Yes. I basically just said, um, I'm the type of person who, when I say I'm going to do something, I do it for better or for worse. And I was like, I'm going to college and I'm going to look a certain way and experience college in a different way. And it was really important because I did, people I did encounter in school were very different than the people I knew my entire life, like super homogenous. Um, so I went and I got all these amazing compliments and experienced life differently, but inside I was getting really sick. And I, I started experiencing severe panic attacks that were happening sometimes, you know, multiple times a day and, and certainly several times a week. And I had these thyroid issues, these gut issues, all these new conditions kind of popped up right after my weight loss. And I, I couldn't understand why this was happening. So every doctor I went to was basically like, well, you have an anxiety disorder. That's why. Well, you have IBS. That's why. I'm like, I didn't have these things three months ago. So it's not like these are chronic lifelong conditions that I was born with. What is going on? And ultimately ended up um, trying to treat it myself and, and got pretty far and felt a lot better. And then ultimately sought the help of a naturopathic physician who really helped me to see the combination of what's going on in the body between the gut, anxiety, and, and healing all together, which ultimately led me to you know this specific role, which is in a holistic, um, integrative role within the nutrition world. And I had gone to school you know, to be classically trained as a dietitian, but I didn't find the answers I needed specifically around the anxiety and the gut issues um, in that uh, schooling. So I really ended up just taking this functional path. No, I love that. And I, I think when I was in grad school, I think the schooling is very much siloed. So, okay, so this person has anxiety and you're doing and dealing with the anxiety disorder and there's nothing more to look at. But I, when I, I went to Fordham University, shout out to Fordham, is that they were very much into the entirety of a human being. So yeah, you look at their family, you look at their life, you look at their stressors, you look at their, you know, where they live, their socioeconomic situation, you look at their eating health, you look at their job life, you look at everything about someone, and yes, you might be dealing with their mental health, but now you are dealing with the entirety of a person, and now you know maybe to refer them to someone who is not your specialty, like a dietitian, or uh, a, a business manager, or a, a money you someone to help them with their money stresses and all these different things. But if we silo someone into you only do this and you don't ask questions about anything else, you're not helping a human. You're helping a title. You're helping like a, a word. And I, I, we call it like treating the diagnosis instead of treating the person. Exactly. exactly. And yes, yeah. I know we need diagnostics for, let's say to give a better picture and billing and insurance and all those Wonderful yet frustrating things as well at the same time. But 
for you, uh, what was that realization that food or health and wellness was connected to anxiety other than just mental health? Absolutely. And, and I'm so happy to hear about Ford's program. That's incredible, by the way. Any conventional, you know, program training people in a holistic manner, I'm like, yay, that's so. I don't know if that was their, I don't know if that was their purpose, but it was definitely (laughs) a few classes. It was definitely a few professors that I had. The most, the ones that I cared about the most or the ones that I connected to the most were the ones that looked at a human versus a, uh, a title on a piece of paper or a number in your billing system. And there, you know, of course, there, you know, every experience is going to be different. You know, my wife was classically trained in NYU as a dietitian and, and it was great for her and her internships and her experiences taught her to be more well-rounded in her perspective. But yeah, it sorry. It definitely so, helped in the, that year too. Yeah. So um, it's a really good question. And I, the problem is any one thing you just said, I could have a 50 minute conversation about. So I'm like, okay, do it. I'll, 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 so, um, we'll be, a, we'll, we'll be just like Joe Rogan where we have an eight hour episode that no one listens to. That's the way to do it. I, I only listened to the one that was a vegan and carnivore debate. I listened to that really. It was very long and very good. Um, otherwise, agree. So I felt, for me, it was like a logical reasoning because I couldn't understand why I never had an anxiety disorder before and I never had gut issues before and then I lost all this weight. So basically when I first started to realize, oh, I'm having like really severe panic attacks. Like I'm throwing up several times a day from the level of anxiety and cortisol. I, I basically made what I like to call a battle plan, my first battle plan, which is that I, and now I make battle plans for my clients. And I basically said, how can I target anxiety from a physical, mental, spiritual, every kind of perspective I can, I can target it. And that's when I started to dig into the research a little bit. And I was like, oh, wait a second. My body is screaming in fear because I just starved my body to a point where my body's trying to save my own life at this point. So my body's trying to communicate with me. And I I had this epiphany where I was like, oh, maybe if I wasn't starving, maybe then, you know, I wouldn't have such anxiety. And that's when I started to say, oh, what, how can I target anxiety in all these different ways and and explored it? And and I think it was also that meeting with the naturopathic physician who ended up being my business partner, uh, first was my caregiver. And then I was like, oh no, you're stuck with me for life. I'm Dr. Robert Kochko. But in that meeting where we talked, it was like, it was like a 90 minute to two hour meeting. And I was like, oh, you're asking me all these questions because you're trying to find out my anxiety from a physical plane. And then I started to kind of get this understanding that mental health is physical health and that the two are not only intricately linked, but they're the same thing. So that's when it was really my wheel started turning during that time. Yeah. And, and definitely I would say, and I'm not here to, you know, uh, psychoanalyze or pathologize or do any of those wonderful things. But if, you, if you're stressing yourself out to lose that weight for people's perspective, and then all of a sudden you're at the, the breaking point of that, you know, balance of I did this, I'm expecting this and it might not have gone as well or all those kind of things. Mm. The pressure buildup of stressing yourself out to lose this weight for other people's perceptions probably didn't help either. But that's Not connected to your health. That's ca- connected to your physical health because the association of, of this body size equaling some other thing exactly. is, is not a great place to be in either. And, and I know that that I struggle with that as a guy with body dysmorphia or whatever word you like to use or disordered eating or disordered thinking about food. I, I, read, I read a research study of that um, in America, I think 72 or 75% of women have disordered eating. Wow. In the way that they view and their relationship with food is because of the pressures of society to say, this is fat, this is beauty, this is beauty, this is ugly, 
this is inappropriate, this is unhealthy, that's healthy. And, you know, and, and I love the way the world is going with this intuitive eating yeah. perspective. And when my wife and I first started dating, her first loves are Ben and Jerry. <laughs> and I'm like, but you're a dietitian, right? The perception of you're a dietitian, you can't have ice cream. No, no, you can't. It's just about having a balanced lifestyle, not all or nothing. And Absolutely. she retrained my whole perspective on food, where if I want a piece of cake, have a piece of cake. Like, why starve yourself? Now, don't have a half a piece of, have a cake. That's a different, that's a different thing. Like, that's, that's disgusting. You're probably going to get sick, right? Let's be honest. So it, it just, it's so interesting how it's connected in such a beautiful way. And, and when you went to that doctor, right, you went to the, this holistic perspective that might not have been as accepted. How was right. it for you through that journey of retraining your thought process from a classical perspective versus now a more progressive perspective? But back then was like wackadoodle. What's this person totally, doing? Totally. Yeah. Snake oil kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's so, you know, this is such a smart question. Because I, you know, went to, I would say like 15 to 20 doctors in my undergrad to understand what was wrong with me. And I'm such a curious person too. Uh, a is why I wanted to learn this, but B, I was suffering. I mean, true suffering. And anyone who's a panic attack sufferer truly knows it is like torment. I mean, it was, it was such suffering for me. And I was like, I really will not rest until I get an answer. And then I just realized every appointment I went to, not only were doctors not helping, they were deflecting, gaslighting, and dismissing me because they didn't really have the exact tools they needed to help support anxiety outside of a medication perspective, which is absolutely, of course, acceptable for anyone. And if it works for them, it's not even a question. For me, my anxiety was, I also was fearful of medication. So it wasn't an avenue I could pursue at the time because I didn't want to feel out of control. And again, another feature of panic attacks for some people. When I went to this naturopathic physician's office, and he listened to me and saw me as a human, I realized like, oh, the only way out is through. Like I got into this through lifestyle reasons. And the only way out is the same way I got in, which is what, it never made sense to me. How could I have a new, I have five new diagnoses. I left with hypothyroidism, IBS, anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder. I was like, I don't, how do you get a diagnosis that was not formerly there? It didn't make sense to me. So it all came together when someone sat across from me and like your mirror neurons are going when you're in a session with a practitioner who cares about you. I felt myself healing in that session, just being heard and seen as a person. And then I realized this is not only the way for my own healing, but this is the way of medical care. I'll also say that for me, you know, there was, there's very distinct testing you can do when it comes to anxiety. We can get a Dutch hormone test. And, and those are like really showing you the exact time of day you might have, you know, those cortisol spikes and everything. And so to see it tangibly, here's your anxiety on a physical plane. It just blew my mind. And I was like, oh, you're not just taking guesses. And, and this isn't just trauma therapy or, or anything mm-hmm. from the mental perspective that I totally believe in and support. And he's also a snappy experiencing therapist, too. But I was like, this is a physical. You're talking about a medical Thing. And, and I, I understood it and it resonated with me really hard. Yeah. It's why assessments and, and numbers are really important to like see for real and not just guess. Right. And, and I think, you know, I have a client of mine that has a similar experience right now where um, every doctor's like, oh, you're crazy. You just have anxiety when she's mm-hmm. having legitimate physical symptoms. And it took a doctor to listen. Absolutely. A random doctor who was not the specialist of the thing that she was finally diagnosed with that gave such a full picture of her entirety of herself and all her symptoms till someone sat and listened and went, you're not crazy. 
Mm. You're struggling. You're in pain. You're, and, and I'm working with her, like finally accepting that. And it's like this very difficult thing for her to do because she's been told not to feel her feelings, express her feelings. Cause for five years, everyone doctor was like, excuse me, you just have anxiety. Can you please get out of my office? And exactly. for, for you, what, what does that look like now? And this might be a very, you know, person to person question. So if it is yeah. just say, Ellie, stop talking. Let's keep going. Never. What does it look like with that balance of physical health regarding food and what we put in our body and anxiety? What does it actually look like on a practical level? Where does someone start with that? Where do they go with that? What does that mean for the listeners who might go, oh, I have anxiety and medications never helped me and therapy kind of helps me, but I need something a little bit fuller. Right. A hundred percent. So what I'm doing in a lot of my sessions with people and what people can do with themselves is I'm asking kind of on that biological level, I want to know what's really going on. I always ask that question, what's really going on here? So if there is something like a nutrient deficiency, the way I view anxiety is I have this visual where there's a little kid at the playground with his mom and he really wants his mom's attention. And he's like, mom, 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 kind of like that um, family guy skit where, where Stewie's like, Lewis, Lewis, like that whole thing, mom, you know, it's like that kid really wants his mom's attention. Our anxiety is like that kid. The more that mom kind of ignores them, the more hypervigilant our anxiety gets. Oh my God, we're being ignored. Oh my God, I have to tell you something. So if we kind of look at our anxiety and just say, I see you and I accept you and I hate you, but I see you and I accept you, instantly the neurological system kind of starts to calm down. So what I want to know is why is that kid screaming? And it's, I, I use another little example, which is basically anxiety is like the fire alarm in your house. When we give ourselves, you know, of course, talk therapy is tremendously helpful. But if the fire is a nutrient deficiency or the fire is a gut issue, you're not going to be able to talk your way out of it, essentially. So it can help to you can. This is a really cool thing when it comes to your vagus nerve. If you help your mental state, you can help your physical state and you can also help your physical state to help your mental state. So it works both ways from your Mm -hmm. gut to your brain. So you can target it at any angle. So we don't want to quiet those symptoms of anxiety. We want to beg for more. Please tell me what's going on anxiety. I want to learn from you. Um, And the vagal vagal nervous system is now like a a very much more accepted thing that ever has been before. Hot topic. And and it's a very hot topic in the mental health world and the physical world. It's like this like vagal nerve. You see it everywhere. And recently there's a book called The Anatomy of Anxiety by Ellen Vora. And a lot of her chapters are on the physical side of anxiety. I I didn't get to read it because I bought it, pre-ordered it, and my sister-in-law stole it. So uh, she just finished it. Leader in the functional medicine world yeah. of anxiety treatment yeah. specifically, and and operates beautifully from this perspective and that's of the amazing. holistic perspective. Yes. It's really important, Absolutely. and there are a lot of people that call themselves holistic, but they really mm. aren't because I think it's like a very buzzword to like get clients and people. But I think that she is, and, and yourself included, and a, a few people. There are a lot of people who are. But I think that we have to be careful when we look at these people and like read their stuff. Just because they say holistic, make sure that they're actually taking into account everything. Okay. And, and it's so important, the idea of that, that, that the body-mind connection. And I agree with you. I'll be the first one to admit as a therapist, right? I do talk therapy. I specialize in certain things, specialize in anxiety. There's a limit to how much we can talk about anxiety. And recently, I just came up with this metaphor because, you know, I'm a therapist and we have to have metaphors. Because if well, we don't, if we, don't <laughs> we fail as, as a therapist in society <laughs> and we, we sign a contract when we graduate, you have to use metaphors for everything. That I'm in my in-law's house. And everything in their kitchen beeps. If you leave the fridge open, it beeps. Mm. If you live, if when the dishwasher's done, it beeps. When the microwave's done, microwave's done, it beeps. If it's left open, that beeps too. If the freezer's open, it beeps. The dishwashers are beeping. 
uh, and the, the washer and dryer beep. They have a song. It's very cute. But everything has a noise. If you are a new person in that home and everything's beeping and you don't know where it's from, you're going to run to every single thing and try to figure it out until you do. Anxiety are these alarms beeping. Talk therapy to me is learning where the beeping is coming from. Exactly. And knowing, okay, that's the fridge beeping. Okay, that's my trauma beeping. That's my parents' voices beeping. That's my, you know, my husband or wife beeping. That's my kids beeping. But now I know what and where the beeping is coming from, so I know then how to deal with it. But it doesn't mean that a therapist is going to be able to deal with all the beeping and help either learn how to close the beeping, stop the beeping when needed, or function better with the beeping, or learn how to come to terms with the beeping. You need a full team. And that's holistic approach. And this literally came to me last week because everything was beeping. And I'm like, where the F is this beeping coming from? Because like I checked this, I checked that. I'm like, oh, wait, the dishwasher's done. It wasn't important. It wasn't an emergency, but it was freaking me out because I'm sitting there and something's beeping and I didn't know where it was from. The new perspective, if you read Dr. Judd Brewer, who is a forefront of anxiety treatment, he talks about the cure, not the cure, because I don't think he says that. The helpful perspective on anxiety is being curious. Yes, Instead of shutting it down and going, of, stop. Or giving an answer. It goes, right, exactly. let me listen. Let me hear. Let me understand. And within okay. that, like you said, someone who has panic. Like I had my first panic attack when my daughter was born. I literally thought I was dying. Like I literally thought my wife found me with my like pulling my hair out on the floor, pacing like a month and a half into her life, my daughter's life. Because I just – I couldn't – I didn't process all my stuff. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating well. Everything was off. It was my entirety was off. Yeah. But I wasn't curious. I was trying to stop it because Absolutely. it hurts. Because you want to. It's horrible. You it don't want to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But when you start embracing a, it, it's a, such a different perspective. And the kind of the, it's the fear of the anxiety and the panic attack. Which is, it's like, I don't want to have the panic attack, which causes more panic attack, which causes exactly. more anxiety, which then makes you don't want to have it again your sympathetic nervous system becomes activated again in the reaction. And a lot of this is tied back to like evolutionary biological perspective, right? So like if we were cave people and there was a bear trying to attack us, our body had like has created these mechanisms to basically notify us that, you know, again, there's a beeping, there's something going on. We have to figure out essentially what's going on. And what we've all learned to do is when we go to doctors and, and there's so many good doctors that some doctors might say to us, just calm down. Why don't you just meditate? Why don't you just relax and, and just do these things? Again, it's the same thing of shutting the system down and our system gets even more scared um, the second that we perceive that we're going to be shut down when we're trying to desperately tell ourselves something. So 100%, one of the first things I do with my clients is we just accept and acknowledge and allow anxiety. And if we're feeling very rambunctious, we might even ask for more anxiety and say, tell me more. I want to hear more about it. Give me a little bit more action. And that's one of the first kind of tools that I use. And then I'm doing really kind of weird investigative digging where I'm saying to a client, what time are you falling asleep? But what time are you waking up? What does it feel like in your body when you're waking up? Because I'm trying to learn essentially, what are the beats? I want to know like, what's going on for me at the time, right? It was that I starved myself. If you're starving yourself, you know, your body's like, there's a bear, you're going to die. You have, you have to eat something. Eat something. Like, exactly. And, and, and was trying to communicate that with me. Our gut microbiota too, are incredibly communicative with us. Like they can cause anxiety signals to us. Like there's so much interplay 
And if you think about if you were physically running from a bear, your digestion would stop completely, right? So thinking about anxiety as it relates to our digestion, your body's like, oh, we can't be digesting. We got to run right now. This mm-hmm. is not the time for us to be going to the bathroom. We have to run. And then people get in times of stress, either diarrhea or constipation, because the actual like spasms of your gut are changing because your body's just trying to save your life. So when you're in that survival state, whether it's from a nutrient deficiency, a gut imbalance, um, an environmental toxin, like, you know, the only thing that brought my anxiety back really hard was getting married recently. So funny. I had no expectation of that impacting me. And then like I had mold toxicity and I was like, my body is, what is going on? So you really have to kind of ask yourself those questions and then assess using testing or other ways. Um, what, what is, are those main features? And a lot of what I see for anxiety, honestly, if I were to just tell, you know, anyone listening, what you should really be looking out for is any sort of gut inflammation. If you're having, um, if again, you have a long history of like eating a vegan diet or a restrictive diet, and there could be some nutrient deficiencies and then blood sugar imbalances are huge for people too. Mm-hmm. Anything that your body feels like is triggered into some sort of a survival mode in any capacity, that's going to be one of those really strong signals for your body too. And that's what anxiety is. It's survival. It's like, hello, warning, run. And it's just so funny because, um, you know, people have, when they get stressed, have stomach issues. Like it's a classic thing. Oh, I got a nervous stomach, right? Or, uh, you know, and for me, like uh, certain things stress. And so I have Crohn's and, and certain things stress my stomach out. And when I started dealing with my anxiety, and eating a more well-balanced meal and diet, well, lifestyle. I don't want to call it diet. I just eat, I eat healthy, or I eat yeah. more well-balanced. Um, my stomach has never been better. That's but, amazing, by the way. Yeah, thank you. And and you know, and medication, all this, all like you know, and finding doctors that listen and and, and take care of you, and all those kind of things. And sometimes people are afraid to admit. I remember when I was going through my Crohn's. Doctors didn't know what diet to suggest or they said like, you know, I had the whole class like, oh, like, don't eat, don't eat uh, fruits with peels and don't eat uncooked vegetables mm. and stay away from this. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I eat all that stuff now. I'm okay because for me it was different. And I, I tried some ridiculous restrictive diets and some of them worked and some of them didn't. And I think for me, I had a very limited thought process at certain points. I'm like, I'm not going to try that. That sounds insane. I'm not going to do that. And we're not, sometimes we're not willing to try or listen to someone who actually cares about us when you find that person to say, let me just try it. Because who knows? Now, if it's so oppressive to your lifestyle, maybe not. So my question, how do you feel about if you are working with someone and, and maybe some of the suggestions are a little restrictive or a lot restrictive, but it helps them. How do you deal with someone who might push back on that? Or I don't want to say convince, but kind of talk them through. And what is your viewpoint of people who restrict themselves on purpose when there isn't any research or any need for it? You're very smart. I just have to say the questions you're asking are just, they're just very smart. I just have to say that. I don't, I just have to take a break and say that for a second. Yeah. So, you know, well, I'm cutting entire... that piece out of the interview. I'm sorry. <laughs> no way. <laughs> you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm making it the whole interview. It's just Michelle saying, it's just you, know, you the repeat. Like, it's going to loop. It's a loop. We're <laughs> exactly. going to make a YouTube video of a loop of just saying, you're very smart. You're very smart. <laughs> you're very smart. Yeah. The, I, you know, every single recommendation I make with my clients, I am so careful about every single recommendation I make, because I know that 
while I might be impacting someone on a physical plane in a positive way, I might be hurting them in a mental way. So everything's a seesaw when it comes to recommendations. I take every word I say, every supplement I recommend. If I'm recommending one supplement to support gut healing, I have to think of a hundred different factors basically. So as I'm in sessions with clients, I'm not only recommending things and it's actually very rare that I'm even recommending things in session. I'm pushing and pulling to see the resistance. I'm like, mm-hmm. how would you feel on a really mm-hmm. high level? If I said the word carbohydrate, what, what, what does that bring up for you? So before I give kind of that, this is a document I make for my clients, like a battle plan. I need to really feel into what, where they are and what information they're ready to receive. And kind of the way I think of nutrition advice in general is like, if you gave nutrition advice um, as a metaphor, I'll give you one too, is that if it's like a nutrition advice is like a knife, right? And for some people, a knife is a great tool to cook food. And for other people, it could be something like really harmful to others or themselves, right? So the tool itself is the nutrition information, but you need to make sure that the person you're with is able to receive that in a healthy way. So again, same as it was, you know, if someone had a, a strong history of disordered eating or eating disorders, I would not be giving restricted food recommendations. I don't believe in elimination diets and everything I do with my clients is like inch by inch. But if someone is experiencing, you know, diarrhea like 10 times a day, they need those food recommendations pretty immediately if they have a food allergy. So we have to prioritize life-threatening versus not. We have to prioritize mental health always, but it's, it's, it's such a delicate process. And I don't have two Crohn's patients who have any of the same diet whatsoever because I don't treat symptoms. I treat them, you know. Yeah. So for sure, and, and I think totally that's the I think that's the rule of thumb for anyone who's listening who's in the in the the healing business. We have to be very calculated and careful that each person mm-hmm. is their own, because also something that I get worried about. I have a client of mine who always talks about Ellie, like, oh, Ellie told me this and Ellie told me that, right. and they, and his friends go, by the way, you should talk to Ellie about this, and, and I feel very honored that they, that that's how they talk about me, but I get worried that they're going to tell people. Not what we do because nothing we're doing in there is dangerous, no. but that, that, that someone's going to take that and use it for themselves when it's not meant for them, right? Absolutely. So that's also like, oh, I, I went to this dietitian once and they told me to stop eating this. You should, start, you should try it too. And then they start doing it and really it's not healthy for that person. So that's why it's really important that we like make sure someone's ready to use it for themselves and it helps them and they understand the importance it is for them because – I, I know a few people in my life and other people that I've been around where for whatever reason they needed to be on certain diets for their health and sure. I'm not going to start bashing who they went to and what they went to and all that kind of stuff sure. to get that. Um, and all of a sudden, like everyone in the family was doing that and mm. and their dog and their sister and their dog's best friend and their neighbor and they started spreading something that wasn't for everyone but for just them. And it's really risky with diet stuff, like yeah. you're saying too, because it could cause not no two people should be eating the same diet. And, exactly. you know, if we talk about, especially like I talk a lot on my page about like transgenerational trauma and how it relates to nutrition intake and everything like that too. Like there's a definite in, in certain cultures is definite like group think mentality. Um, and, and that can influence a lot of what people are eating and it can mm-hmm. be totally, totally not biologically adequate for the person. And, and then you also feel the guilt of not eating the same way as everyone else. And you feel different from everyone else too. So there's, there's, there's a lot, like you said, that um, people need to understand about the individual nature. And I know you and I, and all holistic practitioners who view the human beings as their whole beautiful selves 
all of us have the weirdest conversations in sessions that could never be replicated outside yep. of sessions. I'm like, where did we just go? What are we talking about now? You know, it, it goes yeah. in whatever direction the person's experiencing, or it could be the minutia of like, no, I don't want to eat peanuts in my morning smoothie anymore. Like it's, it's, or like this made me feel unsafe and it, it could be so many different things. And what's going to work for one person is not only not going to work for someone else most likely, but it's dangerous because they're probably mm -hmm. ignoring their own body signals to fit in in whatever way, like you're saying, or, or when they're desperate for answers, but it always has to come. Unfortunately, I wish there was an easier way, but it has to come from what we individually need and listening to ourselves. I wish it was, I wish it was as simple as, you know, a, a pill or medication, but it does come from these really hard questions we have to ask ourselves. Yeah. And a lot of times I, I tell clients that I work with, I'm like, I know I might look like Harry Potter depending on the day and who knows me and, you know, but I don't have I a magic wand. I don't have a magic wand exactly. or a scar. I don't have a scar on me down my forehead either. But I'm like, you know, I don't have a magic wand to cure or fix this. I, I and 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 just to, to say, like, medication can be helpful. It is not a cure. It is exactly. not a cure. We really so, thought it was a cure for a long time. Oh, 100 really pop this pill and you never have anxiety again. It's like okay, um, but like in reality, okay. So if you're at a level of ten anxiety, it might get you to a six or a five, Absolutely. where you can yeah. function better to then get other things that help you bring you to a level that is more acceptable for yourself or, or better for yourself, but it's not bringing it to a zero. It never will. It's not me. And to it's do scary that. if it brings you to a zero, because then like you said, there's really, other consequences. Oh my no. goodness. Yeah. And that's a big fear of a lot of people. If I take this medication, am I not going to be myself? You know, there's recently uh, a comedian, Taylor Tomlinson, I think her name is. And she did a, a comedy stand up on, I think it's on Netflix. And cool. um, I think it's called quarter life crisis. And she got recently diagnosed with bipolar. And, uh, and she was talking about it and she's like, so and she said, my friend said, Hey, don't you medication. It's not going to make you feel like you. She's like, I know that's the point. <laughs> I saying. hate how I feel. I don't want to feel this way. I want to feel better. Um, so <laughs> the biggest thing is that we have to, each person is person to person. So for medication for one should not be medication for other, um, diets and meal plans and thought process and conversations and perspectives on your health and your physical health and how you eat and when you eat and where you eat. It's very individualized. It's why when these programs come out and it's all or nothing, it's either you follow this for every single person eats the same mm. things. There's yeah. no freaking way that that works. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying like to buy those meal plans that they ship it to you and they have like a whole menu of different variety of foods. That's maybe different, right? where it's portioned and the protein and all the things are maybe, and you talk to a professional and it's good for you. Great. But one of these like diets, which I don't want to say a name cause I don't want to cause trouble um, and get like yelled at, maybe canceled, even though no one listens to the podcast. So it's okay. Hooray. But like, we'll call it what it used sure. to call like Metafast, right? Sure. It's oh. for, they have, they give the same thing for everyone. Yeah, exactly. uh, it's yeah. for everyone. Everyone has the shakes and everyone has the, the bars. Everyone. Like, no. Metafast? is one of my favorites, by the way. So I'm going to just mention, I'm a dietitian. I can do whatever I want. It's a corporation. Like I don't get in trouble for getting that at a corporation. I'll go for it. Optivia, Let them come Optivia, for me. Literally. Optivia, yeah. Optivia. Optivia. Cause they changed the name. Exactly. But they, which proves to you that it's a multi-level, it's an MLM. My main, forget about the calorie restriction. That's a, that's a really good example in the anxiety realm too. The chemicals distinctly in that. So like if I eat something that has gluten in it or I eat something that has sunflower oil in it or something that's distinctly inflammatory for me or generally inflammatory for most people, I will notice no gut symptoms whatsoever. But 24 hours later, I'll notice anxiety. And I'll yeah. be like, oh, damn, I didn't realize I had soy sauce in that sushi last night. It will hit me like so immediately because, again, that's my body's way of communicating inflammation to me. But those kind of programs 
have such like a combination of every potential inflammatory chemical combined with the drastic weight loss. So those are actually a recipe for anxiety. It's very hard for people to draw this line between weight loss and anxiety because we've been told forever that weight loss is good. Weight loss is pure good. So when people feel worse in some ways on a physical or mental plane after losing weight, they're always so weirded out when I tell them that part of the story. They're like, why would you have anxiety? Your life is so much better. And on a societal level, it is much easier to be in a normal, perceived as a normal body than a larger body. Absolutely. And I received tremendous benefits from that. And it would be silly and not acknowledging my own privilege to understand that too. But then on the physical level, it really did this this damage. So that's that's the huge risk of these diets too when it comes to the mental pieces. If you're putting your body into an inflamed state with tremendous inflammation, like there's tangible like hormonal impacts and there's and there's something really cool that we use now, which is called precision lifestyle medicine and nutrigenomics, which is that we can literally look at people's genetic code. We can look at these very distinct, minute tests that can tell us like how different foods might impact someone else. So like you might be a person who's more likely to experience anxiety if you lose 10 pounds. You might gain weight from eating blueberries, but another person can't. Like that is, there's literally like the most minutia of tests that we can do to understand how our physical self can impact our mental and, and other aspects of physical self. So again, these, these big box diets are so silly because I'm like, you're not even close. You're not even close to getting to the bottom of any of this. It's just so, it's, it's so like nineties. I'm like, we're so past that. So nineties. Um, Last question I really have before we get into, you know, some of the stuff you've been working on and doing amazing things about. Um, someone who's, let's say, not that you're not a dietitian, but the classical trained dietitian. Sure. How does a dietitian world, do you feel any pressure to fit in a certain box? And how do you, have it, how do you break out of that box of the classically trained or classical perspective on the food to body connection? Another great question. Not going to say you're smart again, but it was another great question. Okay. That was a great question. Yeah. So. I'm, I've always been pretty boorish as a person and, and pretty able to advocate and speak out for those who um, don't want to speak out. What ended up happening after I started posting like, you know, cholesterol is a disorder of inflammation as opposed to being something where you should eat, stop eating shrimp or meat or something like that. A lot of actually, and a lot of NYU, I actually, one of my staff members is a, an NYU graduate in the um, dietitian program too, but a lot of dietitians on Instagram, I would say in the hundreds started reaching out to me and saying, wow, you know, I've been working with clients for years. I was giving them a low FODMAP diet for IBS. I didn't know there was gut testing you could do with clients. I didn't know. And, and dietitians are, every single dietitian I've ever met is in it for the right reasons. And they really want to help people. And what I think a lot of them found was that they didn't have the tools that they needed. So I'm definitely like the dietitian that people go to when they want like kind of to get to the other side of the functional world. So I have a lot of dietitians who reach out to me and ask for support. How do I even view the body from a more functional perspective? Um, And if there's dietitians who, again, are are pushing big diets or something, of course, they're not going to like me, but um, I am a willing participant to take on those kind of conversations and battles. But yes, there was definitely friction and either dietitians being like, you know, no, this is not, this is how things go. We have to go back to calorie counting. But for the most part, dietitians, as long as they don't hear the word holistic, they're embracing the more functional whole body, I'll say, instead of holistic perspective. Um, Because I have to tell you, Ellie, in undergrad for dietitians, and I'm sure in in many, you know, because we're like, it's it's almost a pre-med degree, your undergrad and dietitian, but of course, nutrition focused, but similar classes. A lot of it is about don't trust naturopathic physicians. You are the only nutrition expert. I don't believe dietitians are the only nutrition expert at all. I think there's a lot of other, um, you know, like CNSs, NDs, like there's a, a tremendous amount of 
incredible nutrition specialist, but in both of our fields, there's a, you own the brain, we own the nutrition. And I, I, I don't believe any of us own any part of someone else's healing journey. And I think once dietitians, honestly, and this is so truthful, started seeing they couldn't heal these conditions. And they were like, why are all these functional dietitians like, you know, reversing their labs? Like it's a different kind of model. They started getting eager about it. So I've had so many excited and incredible conversations with other dietitians. Um, And the second that I was in that appointment with Dr. Kochko eight years ago, I was like, nope, okay. I I didn't need any convincing. I'm like, it's the holistic way for me because uh, I realized, you know, that paradigm and, and how I wanted to so desperately get out of the conventional paradigm. Yeah, it's so funny how um, I have DMs conversations with therapists sometimes. Um, not that I say anything controversial. Uh, I'm not a controversial person. I'm really not. I'm pretty pretty vanilla. You're inquisitive. Uh, I ask a lot of questions and I push and I say maybe we should try this and that. Or I post certain things and, and write certain things. And I've had like very conservative thought process, older school um, therapists on social media be like, what are you doing? Why do you would say things like it's it's fun. I love the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Me too. I'm Let's like, do yeah, it. It's, it's cool. Bring it on. Ask me questions. And and I don't know everything. So if I can if you can teach me something, I can't wait. Like, I can't Absolutely. wait. And and I think, you know, the biggest takeaway I think is that we really have to 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 listen to ourselves, listen to our bodies, and then by listening and finding the beeps, we can get the help we need from any yeah. and from the people. And it's not just that, is that if you don't know how to listen to yourself, find someone who can help you be in tune to that because we're not always listening. And we've been sometimes inundated by society, our families, our friends, and people in our life to stop listening to ourselves because we shouldn't trust ourselves. We should trust the experts or the professionals versus mm-hmm. us. When I'm telling you, I don't feel well, when I'm telling you I'm sick. I am being honest. I'm not being manipulative. I'm not faking it. I'm not lying, but something's off and you shouldn't stop Till you find someone who listens and helps you not feel off, but feel better. And I think you do that so beautifully. Can you talk about a little bit, some of the things you're working on to help people figure that journey out? Yes. And I love this relentlessness that you're talking about too, in this pursuit of health. Like do not ever let anyone gaslight you, especially in a medical setting, which is something I experience with a lot of my clients, because, you know, the tests that I run and the way that I interpret tests, in, in clients or uh, I can't, I can't run lab tests in New York state as a dietitian, but interpreting lab values we can do our and is within scope. It's so different than the conventional model. Even like looking at, you know, something like cholesterol, I use a totally different range because conventional medicine uses a range that's wider because it's the average of people, but most of our country is sick. So I don't want my clients to be the average of sick people. I want them to be the exceptional of healthy people. That's my goal. So Every single way that I view labs and view the human body is really contradictory to a lot of conventional medicine. So what I was noticing is that I wanted my clients to get labs. I wanted my clients to be heard in these medical appointments. So what I ended up doing was just going into appointments with them and basically not taking no for an answer. If they were nervous to advocate for themselves, I was like, I'm just going to sit here. And then if the doctor is going to recommend a uh, medication, they better tell me why. They better tell me how it's fixing the root cause. And I wouldn't leave the appointments unless they were treating my clients with the care that they deserve. So I realized, you know, I only can see so many clients in a week. I'm one person. I needed a a kind of a larger scale way of doing this. So I made a a monthly membership called Wellness Map, which is a really low cost membership. It's $27 a month for people to A, learn how to advocate for themselves, learn how to track their labs. 
And then also just find a list of vetted practitioners. Ellie is one of them. He's coming on soon who are holistically trained, but also classically trained. They actually have the credentials necessary, who are empathetic, compassionate, and they also are very results driven. So there's a, a vetted practitioner directory of any kind of practitioner you could want that I've been collecting and hustling and fighting, you know, with all these practitioners to get the best care. Most of them didn't need that. And then also there's a tremendous amount of free kind of wellness perks, like kind of like a class pass or something like that, where you get to try like free acupuncture, cryotherapy, infrared sauna just all these free different kind of things that these are not essential for health, um, but they might get you in the door of someone who you feel really safe with. And that's the goal of wellness map is it's a functional medicine advocacy program for patients to become the boss of their own healthcare. Cause like you said, patients, people, we need to be the experts of our own body and there's no one who can treat us if we're not listening to ourselves. So you can go to the best therapist, the best dietitian in the entire world. But if you are not the boss of that meeting, you are not going to get the care you need. So it's a way and access for people to get um, great practitioners at, at much lower cost, um, lab values that are tremendously discounted, blood, uh, urine, stool, um, every kind of blood test. I've worked a lot of deals over the years to make it um, as much accessible and really, really compassionate healthcare as possible. I love that. And as uh, you so well put on your website, the queen of the middle ground, right? Totally. That's who you are, yeah. right? Right. Finding that 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 balance of life and balance of yourself and your mind and your body and everything in between is so important, Michelle. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I truly appreciate all your work and uh, future work and changing the world and everything about you will be in the show notes, your website, how to sign up for a wellness map, and all those kind of things to figure out. If you are listening to this podcast and you find it interesting, just a tad bit, look into it. If you think it's a load of garbage, thanks for listening. All right, and come back to another one. Um, I'm the Dude Therapist. Again, thank you so much for making the time today. really appreciate it. Ellie, thank you so much for your inquisitive, curious nature and your extremely smart comments and everything. It was a joy talking with you today. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, Email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week and see you next time on the Dude Therapist podcast. We've got more guests and more great content coming your way.